The Holy Spirit is here, the presence of God. We welcome the Lord, we welcome you. We are so glad you're here. And that is what the church is about, right? It's worshiping God and allowing him to light the flame of our faith. We're in this series, uh, Generations Following by Faith, and uh, today the word that the Lord has really impressed on my heart is stop the show. Stop the show. Can you say that with me? Stop the show. You see, we live in a world where there's often moments where we're invited to stop and we don't always stop. And as I was in first service, I was just reflecting. I have two uh, teenagers that are both drivers now, and I have to be careful they're in the room, so here we go. Uh, But uh, one of them, which I won't tell you which, uh, as they're taking their driving test to to become a driver, uh, doesn't pass, and it stuns me. I'm going, wait a minute, like, we've been getting ready for this for a year, you're a great driver, what happened? And, and they said, you know, I actually just kind of rolled through a stop sign. You know, I, I didn't come to a complete stop. And I said, well, where did you learn to do that? And I said, well, <laughs> it's kind of you, dad. <laughs> and I realized, and, and, and while you're laughing, it's because like, I've driven in Vero, I know you're rolling through them too. You see that yellow light and you're like, let's go, right? And, and red means go too sometimes. I mean, it's a mess, right? But, but here's the thing, here's the thing. We know there's moments where we're to stop and yet often we keep on rolling. We keep on moving. And today is one of those moments where I really believe God wants us to hear from him what it means to stop the show the world around us is putting on a show. Sometimes we're putting on a show and, and, and we're, we're trying to pretend and act. And we live in a world, especially in the West, in America, where everything is feeding us this show mentality and feeding ourselves, right? We have social media and news. We have things that are catered to what we like, algorithms that feed us the show that we think we like. And, and yet sometimes we have to stop it. And now... It gets even more challenging, right? There's this thing called AI, artificial intelligence, and and it's showing up everywhere. It's showing up in churches even. In fact, it's showing up this morning. I wanna show you what happens when your pastor goes to AI to ask a question. You ready for this? Uh, On the screen, we have a video, and I'm gonna read to you uh, as it plays. It's about a minute. Let me just read to you. Uh, So I went to chat GPT this week and I said write the introduction paragraph to an evangelical sermon entitled stop the show here's what it said ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters in Christ I stand before you today with a fervent plea that resonates deep within our hearts and souls in a world filled with distractions and temptations and the relentless pursuit of self-glory it is all too easy for us to lose sight of what truly matters in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ The cacophony, I think I pronounced that right, of this world's clamor often drowns out the gentle whisper of our Savior's call, leading us astray from our divine purpose. As we gather here, I invite you to open your hearts and minds to a powerful truth, a truth that demands our attention and requires a transformation of our priorities. Today, can you say today? It it didn't say that, I did that. Let us delve into the scriptures to uncover the profound wisdom that urges us to stop the show, to halt the spectacle of worldly pursuits and reorient our lives towards the awesome, inspiring glory of God. That's how ChatGPT would start this sermon. Now, it sounded pretty good, right? 
And then I noticed in the bottom right corner a button that said regenerate. So I clicked it. And it started the sermon a different way. You want to hear a bit of it? It says, ladies and gentlemen, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace be on to you all as we gather in the sacred embrace of the sanctuary today. It goes on and on and on. Why would I share this with you? Because if I can regenerate what AI wants to feed me based on what I like, I'm guessing you too have the ability every day to listen to what the show wants to feed you and even what yourself wants to consume. You see, we have to recognize that as good as that may have sounded, AI does not know you, does not know our church, does not know our community, and definitely doesn't know what the voice of the Lord wants to say this morning to this body of believers, amen? And so while it's a tool to be used, it's also something that we have to make sure we're a people that are saying, we're gonna stop the show because we wanna hear what the Lord has to say. See, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, where we've been journeying verse by verse through this this summer, we're actually in two verses, verse 30 and 31, that call us into this place of recognizing within what's known, many call it the hall of fame of faith, the family of believers, what some of these stories of faith are. Let me read to you what N.T. Wright, a theologian and author, said about this passage. He said, they need to go back to the family album to remind themselves where they had come from. They must think through the sort of faith their forebears had had and see how long the purposes of God cherished and believed in the face of impossibilities, dangers, and even death itself are finally fulfilled in the events concerning Jesus and the life they have as a result. So we go to the Hall of Fame of Faith, the album of those that went before us. There's this phrase, by faith. Can you say that with me? By faith. It's used 18 times from my count in the book of Hebrews 11. And you're gonna see two of them right now. So let's read them in verse 30 and 31. It says, by faith, let me hear you again. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. We're gonna unpack these two verses today and look at what they have to say to us about this idea of stopping the show. If you're taking notes, first thing we need to see is it's time to stop the show. It's time to walk by faith into the life that Jesus has for you. That I believe God wants us to hear as Rahab had to hear that there's something different about God, there's something different about Jesus that is completely contrasting the world around you and if you'll stop the show and look to him, he's got life and life abundantly he wants to invite you into. We need to stop the show to receive the life that Jesus has. As we look at Rahab, you can turn to Joshua chapter two, and we'll look at a few verses that set up more of her story. It's actually there that we would learn, as you may have caught in Hebrews 11, that Rahab is a prostitute. Uh, she's a woman of the night that is living a lifestyle that many would say that not only is she non-Israelite, meaning she's outside of the people of God at that time, but she's living a lifestyle that's contrary to what God had intended. Aren't you glad that in Matthew chapter one, in the genealogy of Jesus, in his family tree, it mentions Rahab? 
Aren't you glad that in James chapter two it mentions her faith? You see, I don't know about you, but those are unusual mentions of somebody who is outside of the people of God, there was a wall there, that was outside of the lifestyle, there was a wall there. But because she had come to God and that wall had fallen, she's commended because our God is a God of redemption, restoration, rescue, and he gives us second chances, amen? So as we look at her life and we unpack this in Joshua chapter two, hopefully you too can see how God, if you stop the show, she had to stop everything and look to God and walls fell. Spiritually, and then physically, literally. Let's pick up verse one. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shaitan as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. Now, there's a series of lies that Rahab tells. And I want to help you understand that Scripture can be descriptive in places and prescriptive. This is a descriptive place that isn't setting you free to be a liar. This isn't about our Christian ethics in this passage. What it's dealing with is what she had to do to do the next right thing, to do the thing that God was leading her to do. So she hides them and it goes on to say, and when the gate was about to be closed at dark, verse five, and the men went out, she said, I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. I'm gonna pause right there. I think it's interesting that it mentions the flax on the roof. Uh, Flax was something that would have been laid out uh, in order to dry it. So if you've ever hidden under wet brush, This was a really nasty moment for these spies hiding under this flax that was drying out. Now flax, the reason it would be dried out, it was gonna be used for linen. There's a part of me that wonders, I can't support this, it's just a thought, is actually this evidence that Rahab was trying to build a business to get away from the business she was in. Are you tracking with me? Because she has flax there, which would have been to create linen, which may have been to create another product. I don't know, but I know that scripture supports Rahab and what she is doing. And it goes on to show us a little bit more why, because we see her heart and we see her faith. It says, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of the Lord, or, or the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when, you, before when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two other kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, she said, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. 
For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. What is she saying? She's saying, I may dwell in Jericho, but I know that my people don't know who your God is. That, that we're melting in fear because your God, Yahweh, is the real God. He is the one that, that, in fact, I'm willing to place my faith in. I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to place myself at risk. I want to receive what God's about to do versus resisting, which is what Jericho represents. Jericho resisted God and his people. And here's Rahab in the middle of it saying, stop the show. Walls are going to fall because I believe that that God is about to move and I wanna be a part of it. Come on, church. There's something in Rahab's story that should ignite and invite us to walking by faith. There are three things actually that stood out to me about uh, Rahab's story and walking by faith. There's many more, but these were the three I wanted to highlight. One is that she demonstrates works over words. You see the greater than symbol? Man, I remember as a kid, I loved greater than, less than, equal to. I was that, you know, that I nerded out on that stuff, right? Just loved math. And so works greater than words. You, you see, she could have said it, but she was actually willing to put her home, her family, her life at risk by faith, believing for the reward of the Lord. Some of us have a little bit more talk than we do works, you ever, you ever heard the parent, maybe it's even you, that said, do as I say, not as I do? Woo! Whether it's a parenting issue or a following Jesus issue, our works and our words should, should match. And in fact, I think there's evidence that maybe we need to quit talking and live it. Right? So works over words. Second is God's way over my way. You know, she probably had a plan. She probably had you know, the way she wanted to do things. And as she saw God's people beginning to move and, and God intervening, she puts everything on hold, stops the show to say, I want God's way. I want God's way to become my way. It's actually back in the winter that uh, our family, as we're praying, I actually began to feel like God was saying, hey, I have a different way that I want you to educate your children. And, and as I began to pray that through, my wife was already out ahead of me. She would tell you that she was probably praying for me because I was a little bit stubborn and this is gonna set her free, right? Anybody else know you're the stubborn one at times in the relationship? <laughs> you're too stubborn to say it. I had to recognize that God had a different plan that wasn't my way, and here's why I'm sharing this, is that unfolded, we are watching God bless and his favor because his plan is always better than mine, his plan is always better than yours, and when we begin to say, God, by faith, I want your way, he begins to orchestrate things that we could not come up with on our own. Church, that's a word for you, it's a word for us as a body of believers. Third one is God's justification over self-justification. You know, she could have explained why she was living the lifestyle, why she was stuck in Jericho, why she was doing all of those things, but she doesn't do that. She actually is coming to God knowing that God is the only one that can justify her. We live in a culture that tries to justify everything right now. Have you noticed? 
We try to explain why we feel a certain way, why we identify a certain way, why we act a certain way. And at the end of the day, those self-justifications are always gonna fall short because the only one that can justify us is God. And Jesus offers that to us as a gift. It's amazing. Let me read to you Ephesians chapter two, which shows us this so clearly. Uh, Verse eight, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not because you self-justified or earned it, right? It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That verse, verse 10, I'm gonna pause there, is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture. I love it because it tells me on my, on any day that Jesus looks at me as a masterpiece. I may not feel like one. I may not necessarily even look like one, but he looks at me. He looks at you and he says, if you're in Christ, you are my masterpiece. I'm shaping you. I'm molding you. I'm preparing you for good works that I've prepared in advance. And when we begin to walk by faith, when we begin to stop the show and say, Jesus, I'm not gonna pretend anymore. I'm not gonna act like I've got it all together. I'm gonna allow you by faith to begin making me the masterpiece you've created in me to be. Then he begins to release us into the good works that he has for us. That as we walk into those, we see that those works are also about walls falling. Let me read to you verses 11 through 14 says this, so as we walk into those good works, right, it says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, can you say but? (laughs) The buts in the Bible are beautiful, aren't they? (laughs) Cheesy joke. You can make fun of me later. This is seriously beautiful, though. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. When we stop the show and come to Jesus, his blood breaks down the wall between us and him and then begins to break down the wall between us and others. This is the word that I want us to get through today that I think the Lord has tried to impress on us. Stop the show and walls will fall. Stop the show and walls will fall in your life. Walls will fall in the lives of those around you. And yesterday, we baptized 30 people at the beach. Walls have fallen. Walls are falling. It is absolutely amazing to be a part of. And I wanna highlight a couple of those stories this morning. One, I wanna share with you right now because as I was hearing Matthew Hoffman's testimony, this is his picture. I was blown away at how it even fit what we just read in Ephesians 2. 
Matthew is 17 years old, and this is one of the most articulate, powerful testimonies in a short paragraph that I've ever heard. Y'all ready? Walls are falling. You, I don't know if you're ready. You really ready? Okay, here we go. This is Matthew's words. I was born and raised Jewish for pretty much my whole life. My whole family is Jewish, but the ironic thing is that they don't really believe in God. I always believed that God exists, but I never knew about Jesus or Christianity. To be honest, I didn't even know what Jewish people believed in. About six months ago, I started doing some research about religion. I really wanted to go to heaven, so I studied how you could get to go to heaven. Turned out, after hours of research, that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And if I kept going down my path, I would end up in hell. At this time, I was also really into conspiracy theories. (laughs) Some of you need to listen up. And the strange thing was that they all point towards Jesus and the Bible. I read a lot of the Old Testament and I realized that it foreshadows Jesus many times. At this point, I was convinced that I wanted to become a Christian. I now have concluded that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. 17 years old. Last sentence, he says, now technically my ethnicity is still Jewish, but I identify as a Christian and wholeheartedly believe in the Christian religion. That is the power of God. That is what the Lord can do when we stop the show, when we look to him, walls fall. Now, for them, there was a move. It was individual. As Matthew experienced that, God is also inviting Matthew, just as he invites us into a new family, to to do life with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the beauty of the church. And so I want to read to you again verse 30 in Hebrews 11, because as Rahab did her part, they all had a part to play as well, collectively, as the people of God together. Verse 30. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. If you're taking notes here, stop the show. It is time to walk by faith together into the life Jesus has for Pathway Church. There's a part that God wants in your life, and then there's a part that your life will play in the life of the church. And when we stop the show and begin to allow walls to fall, we begin to see that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are gifted with the Holy Spirit, that have spiritual gifts that are meant to function in the body and to be a part of what God is doing in any given moment in a local church, but also in the big C church in his world. Did you know that there are other churches in Vero? Did did you? Uh, Did you know that his kingdom is bigger than Pathway? I mean, we, we are so blessed. This week I'll have lunch uh, in, in a prayer time with a, a group of pastors that we get together every couple of months. We text, we support each other. Um, you know, we're f- from other churches in the area. God is breaking down walls. Amen. Pastor Nate is in this service, our youth pastor. You need to high five and hug him. He has had quite the week. In this last week, 
Uh, the, our youth ministry partnered with Calvary, another large church in the area. They do this every year. They go to the beach. They have worship and the word. They get the youth together, the next generation breaking down walls. Amen? In addition to that, if that's not enough, on Wednesday night, right, he had first priority, youth for Christ and fellowship of Christian athletes all on site engaging students because we believe that his kingdom is big, his church is vibrant, and walls are falling, amen? So what does it look like for us to believe that and to walk by faith as they did? It's actually in Joshua 6 that I wanna share with you just a few verses about what they experienced with walls around Jericho. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. I was looking up, what it, Jericho was a, a uh, strategic city. It was on the western, kind of a western gateway city. Uh, it was coming out of a wilderness and desert area. And, and so there was actually an oasis near Jericho that was part of why it was a fortified area. So there's water there. You might ask the question, well, like, how big was Jericho? Uh, archaeologists have done a lot of research in the last century. Uh, it appears that the city was um, uh, maybe 2,500 to 3,000 people at that time. Uh, it had fortified walls. These walls that surrounded, there's actually, archaeologists believe, two sets of walls. One was the outer wall that probably stood on average about 13 feet high. They think somewhere between 12 and 15 feet. And, and that wall would have taken about a, a little less than an hour to walk around, which is important because we'll get to that in a minute, okay? And, and so if you think about that, just inside of that wall was a second wall that these are all about four to five feet thick. And that second wall was a little thicker because that's often where residents like a Rahab would have their home in, in this second wall. That second wall was actually at a higher elevation. So you had 13 feet, and then the second wall would have been as high as three to four stories, which if you didn't know, Treasure Coast were zoned for about three stories. So picture some of our larger buildings and that's what you have with these walls. Okay, so now you know what they're up against. This is a fortified city and here's God's people saying, God, what do you wanna do? Verse two, and the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. Some of you know what the Jewish shofar is. Uh, that's what the ram's horn was, was what we know as the shofar. It was shaped and molded. It was a, a call to war, a call to worship that, that was used in, and still used to this day. So it says, the blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people go up, everyone straight before him. Now it said shout. On the count of three, let me hear you shout. One, two, three. All right, I gotta tell you, you did better than first service. Straight up, that was awesome. So, so in the same way, they're learning from God that listen, you're gonna shout but you're gonna do it when I tell you to. You're gonna stop the show, we're not gonna just scream and shout until I tell you it's time. Let me read to you what he says to them. So Joshua the son of Nun, verse six, called the priest and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the Ark of the Lord. 
So let me kind of try to help you visualize this for a moment. Jericho is there. It's, it's this place that is so strong that they're looking and going, how do we even? And God says, well, it's my presence and power that's going to do it. And so the ark symbolized God's presence. They have soldiers on either end of the ark. They have the priest and the trumpets, and they're blowing those as a call to worship, a call to, you know, be with God's presence. And as God's presence, we'll say this is Jericho, okay? They're going to circle one time around per day, a little less than an hour, and then they're going to stop, and they're going to wait till the next day. Some of us would struggle just with that alone, waiting a day. They have to do that six days, right? Six days, they're gonna go around Jericho one time, the presence of God. What they're learning is how to be faithful, walk by faith, trust that the presence of God matters more than anything else, and obeying him, right? Stopping the show when he says stop. And so on the seventh day, they do it seven times. They shout, and the walls fall, and they have victory. As we think about this, there's three things that really stood out to me. There's more again than three, but these three really jumped out at me. The Israelites walked by faith and they were demonstrating presence over plans. You see, they may have have had a plan on how to defeat Jericho and God's saying, listen, set aside your plan, listen to mine, prioritize my presence over everything else. The leadership of this church believes that the greatest thing we need to pursue in this season is God's presence. Church, if we have God's presence with us and we're obedient to what God is telling us, we will have victory. His presence over our plans. Secondly, his power over our strength. You see, there were some soldiers and some people that probably had some ideas and some strength, and God was saying, no, I want you to put my power over your strength. Some of us have to hear this because in many ways, we can try to muscle our way through Monday and Wednesday and Friday and in our strength, and God's saying, no, I want you to walk by faith and trust my power. That when we let go and say, God, I can't, And it's in our weakness that his power gives us strength. That's part of the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us. When you receive Jesus, you receive this, what I like to call the X factor, that you have something in you different than everybody else in the world that doesn't know Jesus. And that is to empower you with wisdom and discernment, the fruit of the Spirit. When you can't get free of an addiction, his power can help you. When you can't get free in a relationship to say, I'm sorry, his power can help you. Church, his power is what we need over our strength. Third is obedience over comfort. And y'all, we need to just be honest. We live on the Treasure Coast. It is a super comfortable paradise. I'm the first to say I love my Tommy Bahama chair. You might love your lazy boy. I don't know what it is. But here's what I believe God wants us to understand. There is nothing comfortable about walking for seven days and doing what they did. There's nothing comfortable about Rahab risking it all to do what God had showed her to do. There is a call that God has on your life if you're a follower of Jesus and on our life as a church that's gonna require obedience over comfort. And I believe that if we begin to live that out, 
that God's still gonna give us moments of comfort here in paradise, but he's far more concerned about our obedience and the walls that he wants to bring down on the Treasure Coast. That as we begin to understand his heart, we begin to follow him, we begin to be obedient to what he's commanded, we will see walls fall, just like they did. The walls of Jericho fought, fell and they had victory. So let me remind you what Jesus said to his disciples and to his church. These are the last scriptures that I'm gonna read this morning in Matthew 28, because if you don't know what to do, this was given to every disciple of Jesus. Here's what it says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isn't that good news? He says, just as they had the ark with them, that now my presence, I'm with you. And with me with you, you will have victory and success. And my plan is to use you as you're baptized, to go baptize others, to go multiply, to share about who Jesus is. I mean, that may be something that for you, you're going, whew, man, that just doesn't stir me today. Like if I'm honest, I'm just not sure that that I care about that. And if that's you, did somebody, some little kid just said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Out of the mouth of a babe, precious. If you're online, I hope you heard that. It was so good. Uh Uh-oh is right. (laughs) Because here's the deal. When we have this moment with the Lord where we stop the show, and we just get real honest, God can begin to do something in our lives. He can begin to help us with that because his plan, again, with you as his masterpiece is to take you out to do good works, to make disciples, to see walls fall. And I believe he wants to do it all over our community, all over the Treasure Coast. And he's gonna do it through our lives as we follow him by faith, as we stop the show. So if you're saying, well, I I just, I don't feel that right now. I'm just not sure. He commanded it, so then we gotta come to him and be honest. I love what pastor uh, and author Mark Batterson says. I wanna read this to you. This is a quote. He says, uh, go home, lock yourself in your room, kneel down in the middle of the floor, and with a piece of chalk, draw a circle around yourself. There on your knees, pray fervently and brokenly that God would start a revival within that chalk circle. What does it look like for us to stop the show, to say, God, in this circle, may you start a renewal, a revival in me, that I would care about the things you care about, that I would begin to break down this wall so you can use me to break down other walls. Do you think about that? I want to take it even further this week. I want to challenge you. Draw that circle around yourself. And then when you've done that, circle your neighborhood. Go out and pray around your neighborhood. Come here. Pray around our church property. Then drive the Treasure Coast. 
What would it look like for you to leave from here, drive down the 17th Street Bridge to the island, come back down the Merrill P. Barber Bridge, back here, out to 95, and to do a big circle? It'll take you a half hour. Make sure you stop at all the stop signs. (laughs) But what would it look like to say, God, may the walls fall. Awaken us to what you want to do and what you have for us. So two questions to kind of close here around this, to challenge us. The first I just alluded to uh, on the next steps. Will you stop the show this week and pray this week for walls to come down around your life, around pathway, around the treasure coast? What would it look like for you to do that this week? Secondly, will you stop the show and surrender by faith to the life Jesus is calling you to? You know, it's incredible to be a part of this weekend. As I mentioned earlier, we've had 30 baptisms yesterday, one in the nine o'clock, we have two in this service coming. And I wanna share with you one more story of somebody who has stopped the show and said, Jesus, I'm yours. This is uh, Jamie's picture, and Jamie is actually in this service, and we have permission to share this with you. This is her testimony. She says, growing up, I didn't have a background of going to church or knowing the Lord until I was 10. My parents divorced at the time and I asked for someone to take me back to a church where my elementary school graduation ceremony was held at. That church was First Church of God on the corner of 27th and 16th. Those of you that have been around a while, that's this church. It had a different name. Isn't it cool how God brings things full circle? He says, my dad, who was an eight, or she says, my dad, who was an atheist at the time, refused to be the one to take me, but when he reluctantly gave in, he brought me then to a Wednesday night youth group as he unwillingly sat in the back of a Bible study class and in turn got saved himself. From there, I actively went to church with him and my stepmom for the next few years and loved it. Got plunged into youth group at age 12. I was baptized alongside with my dad and my brother. However, a couple years later, as a young teenager, I experienced very challenging circumstances that led me completely away from the Lord. I've dealt with debilitating anxiety and depression starting from a very young age that only progressively got worse as time went on. Over the next few years, I made a lot of poor choices that continue to lead me down the wrong path. I didn't know how to process all the emotions and I discovered a way to help quiet the noise. A liquid dependency eventually developed that started out social but quickly became self-medicating. In my 20s and even the beginning of my 30s, I never knew it was a problem because it wasn't any less than those around me. It seemed normal until it didn't. I spent my entire adult life until now not knowing or following the Lord and even questioned if he really existed at times, but deep down there was always a desire to. There were many times my stubborn heart fought the call and I continued to try to let the world satisfy me. I wanted to keep doing things my way because you know I was doing such a good job at it. I had to learn the hard way that none of that works. Two innocent children, two divorces later, I finally surrendered and answered the call and gave my life to Jesus last March of 2022. She says, leading up to that moment, I had hit an all-time low. I was stuck in a relationship that wasn't healthy for me or my kids, to say the least. And on March 11th, 2022, I broke down on my bathroom floor, feeling like I messed up my life beyond repair. I pleaded to God, if you're there, please help me. Show me what to do. Isn't it amazing sometimes what it takes for a wall to come down? 
She says, I pleaded to God and two days later he showed me. He exposed things in a very coincidental way that led me out of the relationship and I ever so clearly sensed him telling me that he was the answer and that it was time to surrender and experience the life he intended on giving me. Slowly but surely, surely he has helped me to pick up and put the pieces of my life back together. The enemy has put up a good fight too, but she says, even though I'm still at the beginning of my journey, I emotionally write this reflecting on everything he has done and where I have come from. He has freed me from misusing the substance, that's the power of God, and the bondage it had over my life. I can gratefully say I haven't had one drink in 16 months and counting. Yeah, we can celebrate that. I know and believe for the first time that I am here for a purpose and made with a purpose. I'm gonna just stop there. Isn't it amazing what the Lord can do? So this morning, again, will you stop the show? Will you allow the walls to fall? Will you allow the Lord to work and move in your life in the way he wants to? I'm gonna pray over us and then we're gonna celebrate two baptisms in this service. Let me show you a picture of the ones from yesterday. This is the big group, isn't that awesome? So incredible, 30 yesterday. And if you were there yesterday or you see some of the actual video footage, uh, your pastors, myself included, got a little crazy. The waves were a little big and I may or may not have body surfed a couple times this is second service, so I'm gonna just go for it. There was a moment where Pastor Nate looked at me, he's like, did Brian just end up between my legs? Did I just give birth to Brian? <laughs> it was incredible to just be a part of what God was doing yesterday, and even in that, to watch the faith, even with the waves, not one person said, I don't want to be baptized today. They were willing to do whatever it took. And I share that to just say, there may be somebody in this room that you know it's time to be baptized, and we just wanna let you know, why not now? If you know Jesus, and you want to proclaim him by faith, uh, Daniela is ready, she's over here. Can you just stand up for a minute? She would love to talk with you. We have a t-shirt for you. We would love to prepare you for baptism right here, right now. After I pray, we have two people, Jill and Katie, that we will be baptizing and we're so excited and maybe more depending, but will you bow your heads and we're just gonna pray over this moment. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in our hearts that when we stop the show, walls will fall. We thank you for Matthew's story, for Jamie's story. We thank you for Jill and Katie in this service and all the rest of us that may be in our own way saying, Lord, I'm ready to quit pretending. I wanna be yours. We just ask in this moment, as we celebrate these baptisms as a church, that in doing this together, you would bless not just Katie and Jill, but all of us as we recognize your work and what you have done. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right.